my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. I hope that you are all doing very well wherever you are. So the last couple of weeks, I don't know about you, but they have been pretty emotional for many of the people in my inner circle, um, for myself, and there's been a lot of, of stretching and a lot of growth, a lot of looking within ourselves a lot of self-healing, a lot of out loud healing with other people, with our therapists, with our friend group, with our journals. And I have watched this all happen and I didn't quite know how to talk about it here on the podcast because some of y'all know I really do, in addition to having topics and things that I want to stick to, I really do try to weave in trends that I'm seeing in the community, um, among students, within the podcast, especially if I'm seeing it everywhere, because then I, I think that there's something to it, and maybe maybe talking about it here can help everyone. And so like I said, I didn't quite know how to talk about it, or even if I should. But then Ari Lennox shared a really powerful, or really vulnerable tweet last week and I was like okay this really is everyone or at least a good majority of us and so that's what I want to talk about today. So today we're going to talk about self-love, we're going to talk about um, when you're feeling a lot of self-doubt and maybe even some imposter syndrome and feeling some disconnection from yourself I hope that today's episode will serve as some validation and some encouragement and maybe even a next step or two that you can take if these are things that you have been struggling with. And if it's something that you're not struggling with now, maybe you can tuck it away and and keep it for the future. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump on in. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. So this episode is for all of us who have really been doing all the work that we feel like we know how to do. And we are still feeling very much full of self-doubt, of even some self-loathing, of imposter syndrome, like I said before, and a feeling not enough. You know, we have talked to people, we have gotten encouragement from friends, we have spent time alone, and we still feel really lost. And I totally connected to that sense of feeling that way from Ari's tweet. um, Because I think 
in her vulnerability, she reflected a state that many of us can either relate to or that we're currently in now. Um, and when I say relate to, I mean, um, if you have been um, fortunate enough to, to work through it and to get to a place of where you fully feel connected to yourself and you feel a lot of self-love and you feel a lot of self-confidence, um, but you may remember what it used to be like. And um, again, like I said, for others of us who have not um, not gotten to that place yet, but we want to and we've tried to and feeling how disheartened that can be. And so what I want to do for today's episode is I want to, you know, I'm going to read the tweets and, and I decided to do the episode too, because Ari has kept the tweets up. Um, so to me, that means that this is something that she has wanted to put out there and keep out there. Um, and, and all of the comments are filled with so much love and encouragement. So again, if you relate to this, I really encourage you to go on Twitter and if the post is still up to read all the encouragement there, but I'm going to pretend as if Ari listens to this podcast and I am going to really try to encourage and validate your experience um, without making you feel bad, without going into that kind of, you just got to suck it up and love yourself because I know that you've tried and I know that you're doing the best that you can. Um, and also, um, this process can feel like there's more bumps in the road than smooth paths. And, um, and me pretending as if Ari is listening, is going to make it easier for me to talk to everyone here. Um, everyone here who has, um, and still maybe is dealing with these things as well. So Ari shared, and thank you again so much for sharing this, Ari, but Ari shared, I hate that I crave validation in every ounce of my life. It's truly a miserable experience. Excuse me. It's truly a miserable existence. I hate that I wish I was cool. It's embarrassing. I don't know when I'll start loving myself. I don't know if it's possible. I can't even enjoy all that I've created for myself. It's painful reality to not be loved yet to crave it so bad in the most harmful places to not be able to trust anyone to want people around but to push them away simultaneously is mental misery and you know I should have shared this at the beginning but Ari Lennox for those of you who don't know is this incredible beautiful award-winning R&B artist um, who has some of the most beautiful, most soul touching, (laughs) most, um, energizing songs, like she can do it all. Um, and you have absolutely heard some of her songs as well. Um, even if you're like, is that, you know who she is? (laughs) She is also a meme queen, or at least in my opinion, she is. She, is so delightful and so funny to watch whenever she's gone on live and has such a sweetheart and amazing comedic timing and amazing, again, I think vulnerability and transparency and and authenticity, which is what I think makes so many people love her for more than she, more than more than she knows um, but um, for more than just the entertainment that she brings but just her spirit and her soul and 
I think, I think many of us who have felt the way that um, Ari is talking about here, whether or not we have we are award winning or award um, nominated folks or not, we have a list of accolades, and we have our own qualities that make us beautiful. We have the things that our friends compliment us on, um, the things that um, people say that they see in us. And all of those things can be true, but it feels like it's true for them or it feels like it's not real for us or it feels like, again, that imposter syndrome, that it's something that we can't, um, that we can, you know, hear with our ears and logically understand maybe why people are saying that but not truly believe it in our hearts. And that disconnect, um, to Ari's point, is miserable. It's mental misery. And it feels pretty self-defeating. It feels as if this is how it's always going to be, that you're always going to have this ache. Um, And it's embarrassing because, you know, it's like you don't have a right to feel that way. You know, at the same time that we are in this stage of our of our societal growth where where everyone's like, you deserve to feel what you feel up until a point, right? Um, up until a point where maybe not that you don't have a right to feel how you feel, but it's maybe really hard for people who love you and people who see everything that you are for them to understand, for them to truly understand how and why you have this giant disconnect. Um, why it is that you cannot see what they see so clearly. And usually (laughs) we are, if this is you that struggles with that disconnect, you have your own friends that you, same thing for them. You can see all the beauty and the talent and the giftings that they have, but they can't see it as well. Right. And so this is a really common human condition. And that's the first thing that I want to share. The first, um, place of validation that I really want to hit on is that this feeling embarrassing what I make up about that is you feel like you're the only one you feel like you're the only one who struggles with this self-doubt you're the only one who has the glitz and the glamour and the attention and the fame or the favor who really cannot grasp it or really cannot celebrate it and and live fully in it and I want you to know that that's not true. That just like you may be really good at putting up a front and putting on a face, that the person next to you may be just as good, if not better, because these are all learned coping mechanisms. And it's it's very scary. It's very vulnerable, especially if you grew up in a setting or in a household that made it seem like your insecurities or your weaknesses or your doubts or just your emotional needs to be seen and to, to be soft and to be um, to be that level of intimate with them is a burden or it's wrong or you're doing too much or they didn't know how to handle it or they shamed you for it or um, abused you for it or used it against you. Of course, as you grow up and as you you know have more connections or have more relations, no matter how much people say, it's safe to feel this way or it's safe to share or other people feel this way too. You don't see it and you don't believe it and you don't see it because we've all been socialized 
on keeping this stuff in, right? And, and putting on a face. So just because you feel as if you're the only one who struggles with this and because of the level and the access that you have gotten to, that that means you're supposed to be somehow exempt from it. Um, those are all lies. Um, if you are a spiritual person, it's directly from the enemy. If you are not a spiritual person within um, a religious paradigm, then it is your subconscious mind and all the things that you tell yourself and all the things that you believe that are just constantly being reinforced, which is like the way that we can other ourselves, the way that no matter what is happening, no matter how much good is happening, no matter how much validation, no matter how much, um, you know, support, our brain will find, look for, search for, create information to make us the bad guy because we truly believe that we're the bad guy. We truly believe that we are the fuck up. We truly believe that we are, you know, the insecure one in the group or the one who can't ever get it right. And so we will look for and we will create and we will truly believe um, only the things that reinforce that negative belief, even though it makes us feel like crap, even though it makes us not feel good and so um even that even me explaining that though is not more evidence for how you can't get right it is literally what happens in the human brain all of us all how many people are in the world eight billion I don't even know I just made up that number I know we're in the billions right um all the billions of the people all billions of people in the world everybody's brain operates that way Whereas the thoughts that we have about ourselves, that is the lens that we work through. So whether or not it's positive, negative, or in between, you, your brain is doing exactly what has been designed to do. Now, are the thoughts eating you up and making you feel really bad? Absolutely. But I just, I'm saying this so that you don't feel as if your brain is broken or that there's something wrong with you. Um, the good news is that because this has all been created to the point of your fear that you don't think or you don't know if it's even possible for something else to be different for you, for you to feel differently about yourself, it absolutely is possible because you did not come out of the womb feeling this way. Um, these were all things that were learned, uh, things that you were not given, that you deserve to be given and um it doesn't make it fair it doesn't make it right um but all that to say this is not deeply like it's not carved into your skin as much as it may feel like this is something that you've tried to take off and you've tried to remove from yourself and you just have not been able to shake um again sometimes what we deeply feel which can be hard to admit especially if we are intuitive people and I'm a very intuitive person um, my gut has very much helped me um, in so much of my life it has guided me so well it's what makes me good here at what I do is what makes me um, helps me stay out of destructive relationships is what helps me stay um, um, trust people who 
um, are good for me. And also at all the places that I still have insecurities and pain, um, my trauma can feel very much like my intuition. It can almost feel identical and I can make decisions and I can move towards things and I can move away from things because I'm trusting my quote unquote intuition, my gut feeling, but my gut feeling is, um, I'm, I'm calling it the wrong name. I'm, I'm mislabeling what's, what's actually talking to me at that point. And so I feel like you are also a very intuitive person. Um, and you probably have a lot of incredible discernment and, um, a lot of connection to your emotions and which has served you well. And it's possible that all that is true. And some of these emotions that you are feeling have been leading you astray because there's a story that, um, that you've been told and that you have internalized and that's, and not internalized because you're like, Oh, great. This is gonna, I love this, but it's the only story that you were given. So what else could you have done? You know? So I want to validate that the part where you said, um, I hate that I wish that I was cool. I think that says so much. And I think so many of us can relate to that. Um, again, you know, for you being someone who is so beautiful and so talented and so funny and so very much the type of person that, and I know, I know you've seen this comment thousands of times, um, tens of thousands, thousands of thousands of times, probably. Um, and you can feel as if people are just saying it because it's the internet. But there are so many people who look at you and are truly like, she is so cool. If I could be with her, if I could be like her, if I could hang out with her, like, I would just love to be your friend. Like, I've literally <laughs> seen, seen people write that to you. Um, and there's still that part of you that does not feel as if you are cool, as if you are likable, as if you are good enough, as if you are accepted. And um, I can totally relate to that as well. I've used the phrase imposter syndrome a few times, which is basically where you feel like you're a fraud. You know, you feel like um, every second you're one step away from somebody figuring out that you're not everything that you feel like you're pretending to be or that um, you hope other people see you as like the jig is going to be up any second. Um, and you walk up around feeling that way all the time. So you have that sense of dread on top of that sense of low self-worth and self-loathing. Um, then on top of that, you have the self-rejection so that when people say things to you, you can't really receive it. You don't really believe it. Um, and then you have what all this does to your nervous system to where you are constantly in fight or flight mode, um, where you literally cannot let anything go and you cannot rest. Even if you're just sitting down watching TV, your body, you cannot rest, um, because you're constantly on high alert for when these threats will come through or um, things happen and, you know, and a list of 
really amazing things that happen for you, you will focus on what didn't happen. Um, again, to reinforce the story that you have, that you're not cool, that you're not accepted, that you won't ever be enough, um, you know, that you won't ever be picked is um, part of the language that I use here. But, you know, I think this goes um, goes really deep into how many of us show up and maybe not feel like as if we don't belong. So there is an article that I found uh, when I was kind of thinking about imposter syndrome and it's from the website. Let me pull it up. It is from the website verywellmind.com. And they have this article that talks about, um, let me see what the actual, I'll tell you the title in a moment. I feel like if I scroll up, it's one of those, um, I really like this article because it's really long and it gives you a whole lot of things. But I feel like if I scroll up, I'm going <laughs> to lose what I wanted to share. But they talk about five different types of imposters, um, people who feel as if they're imposters, um, and so the first one is a perfectionist. And this type of imposter syndrome involves believing that unless you are absolutely perfect, you could have done better. You feel like an imposter because your perfectionistic traits make you feel that you are not as good as others might think that you are. Um, as good, you're not as good as others might think you are, yes. The second type of imposter syndrome is the expert. The expert feels like an imposter because they don't know everything there is to know about a particular subject or topic, or they haven't mastered every step in a process because there is more for them to learn. They don't think, they don't feel as if they have reached the level of expert. Number three, the natural genius. In this imposter syndrome type, you may feel like a fraud simply because you don't believe that you are naturally intelligent or competent. If you don't get something right the first time or if it makes you if it takes you longer to master a skill, you feel like an imposter. The soloist soloist. This one is it's also possible to feel like an imposter if you have had to ask for help to reach a certain level or status. Since you couldn't get there on your own, you question your competence or abilities. And then the fifth type is the super person. This type of imposter syndrome involves believing that you must be the hardest worker or reach the highest levels of achievement possible. And if you don't, you are a fraud. So obviously, Ari, I do not know you personally. So, you know, and I don't have you in front of me. So I can't ask you which one of these stood out to you the most or ask you more about your family story and um, what you feel as you listen to this and if it even fits at all. Um but what I will say is if, if these are the types of feelings and self-doubt that you're having, I just wanted to acknowledge how hard it must be to feel all these things and be in a public space to constantly um, be seen. Um, and it's for, it's your job to be seen. Literally, it's your job to be on stage in real life. It's your job to be on stage online and magazines, um, for all the things that you may feel that other people can see, um, to be shining under a bright flashing light. And, um, I read these because I wanted you to hear that for all of these, these are all what's called cognitive distortions. 
and other people, the thing about people who feel like imposters is that literally nobody feels what you feel. When you are an imposter, you feel like there is like a brigade, what's the word? Brigade. There's a brigade of people who are waiting, (laughs) waiting to expose you, waiting to say, aha, I told you so. Um, But really, when you are doing what you're doing and in your purpose and in your bag and and really starting to shine, the people around you see that see that light that they're they're around you, not because they're waiting for you to fuck up and fail. They're around you because what you give is beneficial, is life giving to them, is attractive it's entertaining, um, it's inspiring. And that's why people are around you. They would, they would not be there if, if there was not a benefit to them, honestly. Um, here's where we can talk about some of the selfishness of, (laughs) of human nature, but yeah, when it comes to imposter syndrome, this is totally an internal job. Your biggest fear that others will point out your fraudulence will not happen but you may be seeking for it to happen you may be creating um the moments you can if you're a people pleaser um and you have found that the way for you to be safe is to make everybody happy and to keep everybody cool you will pay attention to those people who are horrible people who will say something negative about you you know bitter negative jealous people are great at pointing out real or imagined flaws and trying to make you feel like shit. And a lot of times the things that people will point out as flaws about you are literally their own flaws that they really have so much disconnection from that they project it onto you because it's easier for them to attack you for what's wrong with them um, versus looking at it themselves. Um, and bringing you down. But because a lot of times these haters are so big or bad or act big and bad and are very loud and direct about what they say and they say it with their whole chest, again, if you have a softer heart, which I, I think you do, I think you're, <laughs> I think, you know, there's a lot of different types of people who listen to this podcast. Um, some of us are have the softer hearts, which those of you who listen, y'all know that's me. Um, and there are some of us who like, are like, I give a fuck what people say, but also what I think about myself, I, that's what I want to change, you know? Um, but they have a little bit more resilience when it comes to external, um, appearance, right? And then there, of course, there's a spectrum in between, in between, but yeah, it is hard when you, um, are battling with imposter syndrome. You are a people pleaser. You are naturally a more sensitive, um, um, open person, which is a superpower. And then you have people who come in to try to break you down. It's, they don't even need to, to break down a door to do that. Um, you're very sensitive to those types of threats because they are what you, what you believe about yourself. Um, but these people are not your friends. These people do not, if there are any people around you, because there was a part of your tweet 
Um, your tweet said that talked about um, it's really painful to not be loved, but to crave it in the most harmful of places. It sounds like you know this, um, but maybe it's if it's helpful to say it out loud. Um, these people are not your friends. These people do not have your best interests at heart. They have wanted you for what you can do for them, for what you can give them, for how much you can um, distract them, for how they could use you. And that's on their destructiveness. That is on their trauma. The fault for, for that does not lie on you and does not lie on you not being enough to get the love that you deeply crave. Them being shitty people is because they are shitty people. And they got to they gotta reckon with that. They got to deal with their comma. They need to book a therapist. They need to have a come to Jesus meeting. They need to go get to their bottom to figure out this is not working for them um, and have their own personal reckoning. But if you keep allowing people who are obviously, obviously the Dr. Jekylls and Mr. Hyde's and the people who um, are your biggest fans, which are your haters um, and our experts at taking from you and those who are jealous of you. You know, I, I don't know about you. This is where I am going to do a big jump um, from what you actually wrote here. But in case it helps you or anybody else listening, it took me a really long time and I'm still learning it like still learning um, what jealousy looks like in other people. For the longest time, I thought that when people were being mean um, or spiteful or whatever, I thought that they were like saying it because they didn't have a lot of tact, but like they were saying something that was actually true. And me wanting to be someone who's teachable and someone who's open and someone who wants to be better, I would say, okay, well, they're not my friends, but let me try to take this as critical feedback, you know, um, constructive criticism. And no, 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 no. There are people who are jealous of you. They see who you are and they see what you bring and they want it or they're threatened by it. And again, they will say with so much confidence and they might even have some receipts. They will say with so much clarity what is wrong with you, but it's because they are jealous. They are jealous. They are envious and they want what you have. And, um, Sometimes they're aware of it and sometimes they're not, you know, sometimes it sounds like, man, there's just something about them. I just can't stand or, Ooh, I hate her voice or, Ooh, like they think they're all that. Meanwhile, they're all up in your comments. They're watching your stories. They're in your DMS. And it sounds like there's something here that you're attracted to because you keep coming back to tell me how much you're not attracted. Right. Um, and you are a reflection of what they cannot have or what they feel like they cannot have and what they cannot accomplish. And that happens the more you shine your light, hun. Um, the more you show up, the, the harder this gets. And the harder this gets, not only just because of the haters, but because of the work that it requires of you to show up, to be seen. If that is... I don't think being seen is one of the things that you listed here. Um, um, maybe so when you talked about craving validation. Uh, but 
the deeper you get into your healing, the more, the more insecurities are exposed. So you heal and you master one level of your insecurities or one level of your negative thought patterns. And as you ascend, you find more and you get more equipped to deal with them. But it doesn't mean that they necessarily go away. Um, your maybe your your level being triggered around them lessens. Um, you're able to have more positive self-talk in the midst of working through these. You're able to take a step back. You're able to not go completely to that level of despair. And if you do, because you've practiced so much self-acceptance and so much self-love, um, you can feel that that deep sense of um, sadness and, and dread and anxiety um, and comfort yourself and know that it's okay to feel this way and it won't always be that way. You know, you, you can learn how to do both. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. When healing from an intimacy disorder, one of the first things you have to do right after getting clear on your patterns of addictive behaviors, avoiding behaviors, and living in deprivation is clearing out the roots that caused it, clearing out the experiences, the traumas, the narratives that have kept you stuck all of these years. In my signature coaching program, The Recovery School, you have the opportunity to reveal the sources of low self-worth, to learn about how old roles in your family have resulted in codependency, shutting down, and not letting others in, and also to learn how to talk to and connect to your inner child in a way that is soothing and healing. This is the next step to reframing the old stories that have plagued you for years to evolve to being a healed and loved woman and having access to the love and the relationships and self-worth that you've always wanted. Learn more and get started by going to therecoveryschool.com. Again, that is therecoveryschool.com. And so, um, so yeah. But what I do want to say is I am so happy that there was a part of your tweet that said, I can't even enjoy all that I've created for myself. And that that statement made me happy because that share that shows that you see 
all that you have created, everything that you have built, everything that you have done. None of this has been given to you through sweat and tears and self-doubt and self-confidence and asking for help and putting yourself out there and being vulnerable. You have created something so beautiful. Um, You kept going to get what you have had so far. And this is just the beginning. I know you've been working um, and creating all this for yourself for years, right? And you're just getting started. This is not the end. Um, And you did this, right? And so um, as much as I, I understand that the point of what you were sharing is that you can't, you don't feel safe and settled in with this beautiful life around you. I just wanted to remind you because when we're in this place, sometimes we, we lose the impact of what we're actually saying, that the life around you is beautiful. And then again, you did that. You created that. And that's nothing to, to sneeze at. That's nothing to, um, you know, scoff at or, or rush on by. Um, that says so much about you and what you've done. And it deserves to be celebrated and acknowledged. So with all that said, I wanted to share some things for you to, um, as promised, to keep in mind and to take with you. Um, integrate them if you haven't already. Um, but hopefully, hopefully there's at least one thing that sounds like it could be a good tool. Um, yeah, hopefully there's one. <laughs> so the first one is that I want to really encourage you to give yourself a break. Give yourself a break um, from feeling as if you're supposed to know everything and to get it all right by now. Uh, I believe that you're 32 and as much of that is, you know, you know, we're, we're grownups, right. And, um, there can be this felt sense or this feeling as if you're supposed to understand yourself more, have this clarity. And the thing is learning is part of this journey. And every day, if you're doing this life, right, you're going to learn more about what you don't know. Um, if you get to a place where you feel as if you know everything, then that's actually where you're in trouble. And I think most reasonable people understand that. (laughs) I hope so. But, um, yeah, there are, there are levels of your self-worth, of your growth, of your inner healing, of things about yourself that you're going to constantly learn and discover. And there may be things that, um, parts of yourself that you master, and you grow, go deep, grow deeper in, which is where I think a lot of people who have really worked in their self-concept and their self-esteem, where you kind of see them like be able to declare very clearly who they are um, and what they believe and why they believe it and kind of like really own it. Um, that does not mean that when negative self things come up that they um, or that they don't come up. Actually, what here's what I want to say about that. There is this concept of disowning parts of ourselves. And I almost made a podcast about this, but I couldn't figure out how to say it. So hopefully if you're, if you're hearing this, it means that I didn't cut it out. (laughs) But what I've found 
when it comes to healing our self-concept is part of the problem is that there are parts of us that we feel like are the real parts of us. And there's other parts of us that we feel like are the fakes or the ones that we are going to outgrow that we're either going to outgrow therapize ourselves out of pray ourselves out of. Um, but the really real, the real part of us is like the one that's confident, the one that has it together, the one that's always kind, the one that's always thoughtful, the one that's always patient, the one that doesn't ever let anything that the people say get to us, the one that always has their anger in control, the one who, you know, isn't caught up in her addictions and is like totally like happy and joyful, whatever it is. Um, that's the real us. So when things that are moments where we are thoughtless or selfish, moments that we make a mistake if we forget to do something or we don't show up in the way that we would want to for people, that we're irresponsible, ways, moments that our depression gets the best of us or anxiety shows up, and moments that we just, um, you know, we're typically a very giving person, but there are moments that we are just straight up selfish and we don't want to and we're okay that we don't want to, all those unsavory parts, we act as if that is not the real us. And this could be because we got a lot from being the good girl, the good person. Um, again, if you're a people pleaser, whether or not it's part of any religious um, um, faith beliefs that we were taught that we had to be perfect and to reject everything that is not perfect um, because it is not, it's not um, holy or it's not of God. Um, whether or not we were in families where we had to be blameless in order to be safe or to receive love. I mean, there are so many different ways that this can come about, but the end result is we are never allowed to make a mistake. And if we do make a mistake, we have to find a justification or a reason why this anomaly happened, why this was a once in a while thing, that this is not an all the time thing. But I think the people who have truly connected to their sense of self-worth and their self-concept get that these parts that some of us try very hard to disown and to reject and to hide and to cover up for or to compensate for, they understand that these parts and these actions and these beliefs are part of us as well, is part of them as well, that part of the beauty and the magic of being human is that we can be a dichotomy of things in one package that we can be the most thoughtful person in the world and also we can be careless that we can be super giving and super loving and super um sacrificing and then there are going to be times that we are more self-centered and um we are uh, we focus on our own self-preservation. And there are going to be times that we are clear and we are concise and that we are direct with what we feel and like we really couldn't care less about what someone else says about us. And there are other times that we are going to be emotional and we're going to be triggered and we're going to be offended and, and hurt and devastated um, by what may be said or what maybe someone did to us, Right. And all of those things can exist and they can all be us and it's all okay. But we have to be the ones to give ourselves the permission to be all of the things and for it to be okay. Um, the second thing that I want to share, and I'm 
kind of kind of zoom through these a little bit just because um, of time and I don't want this to be a two hour <laughs> episode. Um, the second thing I would really encourage you to do is if you're not already doing it again, if you're not already doing it, I think sometimes people can give us feedback and it can feel like very condescending or almost kind of blamey if this is where some of our defensiveness lies um or not it doesn't have to be defensiveness but where we can really we can really want to feel understood and validated by someone and so sometimes in the attempts to help people can tell us to do things that we've already been doing without understanding um I'm doing that and it's not working right um so just know that I'm sharing this with the acknowledgement that this could be something that you're doing that does not feel um, supportive to you. Um, and that's okay. And it's okay for this to not be the thing for you. Um, but I'm just going down the list of, of suggested items but um, or my suggested items. So the second thing would be for you to start learning how to build your own sense of self-connection um, and maybe even self-soothing from within. Uh, the thing about external validation is it is really great. It is very great when you have it and when you have it from loved ones and family and friends and lovers, like it, um, from the public or people that you serve, I'm gonna say the public for you because you, you as an entertainer, um, the public is your audience, you know? Um, and to, I think your point this validation that you crave, it comes like out your pores, isn't from every single corner of your life and you need it and you need it constantly. And it's like, it's insatiable, right? And so the, the, the answer is not to try to get to be a person who doesn't need validation at all. I just feel like that to do that is like to cut off a part of like your heart or your soul or to like, you know, try to numb out a part of you, which does not sound healthy. Um, but it's to change the source or at least to add an additional source. So in addition to allowing yourself to receive validation when it's coming from healthy friends and lovers and partners and family and the public and, you know, managers and all those other people, um, to add on a source from yourself, which is just as much, if not more so validating, right. And for you, to be um, maybe the first source of validation before others. Cause I think sometimes, sometimes whatever gets the most priority is the one that feels like it's the real source of validation. So if I feel like my main sor source of validation is um, the public, right? Let's say, you know, and I, and I have a public facing business and brand, right? So if my main source of validation is, dependent on how many positive comments I get or how many positive emails or DMs that I get. Um, and if I don't get any, yeah, I can go to a friend. So I'm going to stick with external validation still. Yeah, I can get validation from friends that I'm doing enough or that I'm enough, but it's not going to feel as real because the main source of validation is the public. If my main source of validation is a romantic partner, and whether or not he, she, or they 
um, is happy with me and if we're being intimate and if we're going on a date and if they're complimenting me or if they're doing nice things for me, whatever my love language is. And if that starts to falter, yeah, I can talk with my mom about it and she can be really encouraging and remember, remind me of how amazing I am, but it's still not going to feel as real and as good as my main source of validation. So again, it's not about cutting out the need for validation because I, I think that's very human. And you may have seen if you, I don't know if you're one of the celebrities who looks at tweets, I know um, for self, for mental health and for self-preservation, many, many people don't. And I think that's very wise because of all the people who are, Fans, but don't call themselves fans and people who are jealous and people who project their own opinions and some people who just, you know, they see, literally, they see everybody being nice. And even if they were going to say something nice, they have to say something contrary. Like they just, they have to do the, well, have you thought about this? And this is all nice, but like they have to yes, but, and it's like, girl, just keep it moving, you know? Um, but if we switch that validation to you being the main source, then that's when everything else becomes becomes um, the extra. That's when everything else becomes the nice to have. And also because you are the one who's connected to you and in control of you, then the source is never ending. You know, it's not dependent on whether or not the other people are having a good day or not and have anything left in them to give to you as far as love and validation. It's not dependent on whether or not it's trendy. Um, you know, whatever you're doing right now is trendy in the public sphere or with your company, your music company or with your management, you know, is, um, or whether or not, you know, how you look is what's trending right now. You know, I just feel like, you know, as women, we're always being told, when we're enough or when we're not good enough and our beauty and how we hold ourselves, you know, just is, is unending, unending. So switching to you being a source for self-connection and validation and comfort is really helpful. And so again, that might be something that you've already been trying to do through affirmations and talking to yourself and all that stuff. And so if that is an issue, I would really encourage EMDR therapy so on our website, I have a page listed under free resources that says how to find a therapist. Um, and I list out some of my favorite therapy models. And, you know, here at Black Girls Heal, I talk about love addiction and love avoidance, you know, being in addictive relationships or being avoidant with people and pushing people away like, like you talked about in your tweet. Um, but those are things that are not, you know, listed trainings. Uh, that therapists get, you know, at least not at this point, it may be renamed or um, yeah, I think there are a lot of umbrella topics and, and um, diagnoses that talk about these concepts of love addiction and love avoidance. So maybe that's where some of this training comes in from. But anyways, my point is, I list some of my favorite therapy models for people to check out. Um, to hit, uh, hit on all the different corners of how love addiction and love avoidance and low self-worth and all this hits us. And EMDR is one of those models because it is 
it's a model that does not require you to have to be able to talk and shift through and figure out, you know, um, sift through, not shift through, um, sift through all the things that happened to you and why and bring things together. Um, it's a treatment model that literally will allow you to, um, process through and heal some of those really deep negative core beliefs. Um, like, um, I'm not cool or it's embarrassing that I don't love myself or, um, you know, I can't enjoy my life or whatever it may be. And literally you just share that statement and you do this process with your therapist to help you clear out, um, all those beliefs and replace it with more positive ones. So that is, that is an option. Um, but also, you know, working with a therapist or a coach, you know, this is some of the things that I do as well with my clients, with teaching you how to be more self-compassionate and talk to yourself in a different way. So that when you're in these really low moments, how do I become the person that I really need in front of me right now? You know, if I go to a partner because they're really good at reframing something for me or if I go to a parent or a best friend or I'm remembering someone from my past that I don't have access to anymore either because you know they passed away or we broke up or they moved away or we lost contact and I'm like yearning for that type of sage advice and connection learning how to give that to yourself right um that is that would be a really great next step for you and then um, the last one is just a reminder that it is okay for you to be alone while you try to find the people who, who love you. So when you said it's a painful reality to be loved yet to crave it, it it's a painful reality to not be loved yet to crave it so bad in the most harmful places. Um you know, that those could be things like addictions or, you know, external validation. It could also be relationships and so um, romantic relationships. And so um, and even friendships, too. Right. I, I've not ever been a celebrity, but I've heard that one of the things that happens for many of y'all in this position is finding out who your friends are um, and who they are not figuring out who has been there for you or been there for the things that they can get from you and so when you mean love and and I'm talking about relationships I don't just mean romantic um let me take that back yeah I don't just mean romantic I do mean platonic and even family as well and so what I want to share is that it's okay for you to be alone while you figure this out um I think sometimes on the process of finding the right people for yourself, especially if you've been surrounded by people who have not actually been loving you in the way that you deserve to be loved and you want to be loved, um, is not that you automatically replace them with good people. I think that it, it makes a lot of sense and it's very healing to have, you know, a period, a chapter, a season or, or two of, solitude and not because you necessarily want to be alone but because that is you're learning how to be you and you're healing right and I think it also shows you that you can be okay even when 
even without other people around to tell you that you're okay, right? It reinforcing the power coming from inside versus outside. And it's not what I really want to say about this is this is not evidence that this is how it's always going to be or that you've done something wrong or that I can't have people around me because I can't trust anyone. Um, and not because you don't know how to trust, but you want to trust, but people are untrustworthy. That is always going to be that way. And it's, it's not, um, you may be in this, um, either conscious or unconscious self-directed moment of aloneness because things are being rearranged for you and being rearranged in your mind and your spirit and what your standards are and what you want and what is pleasurable to you and what is supportive to you and what is example of good boundaries and love and sometimes you need time and space to figure that out and if you're in a place or an industry, which I assume you are with a lot of people who, um, there's a lot of distractions, you know, that can be really, really hard for you to, um, to figure out what's what. And so sometimes more time is needed, you know, to figure out what's my voice, what's my intuition versus what sounds like a good idea, what someone else has told me, or what my fear tells me, you know, and it's okay for you to go through that process. But even then, what I'm sharing, that that's a part of self-validation too and self-acceptance and self-comfort and self-soothing is to remind yourself that it's okay for this to be a season that I'm in, that this is okay, um, that it will not always be that way. And while I'm here, I have me and I can build trust with myself, right? So... That was long. <laughs> I hope that you found this helpful um, for Miss Ari or anyone else who's been listening because this has been where you are. Um, either again, whether or not you've been like this in the past or if this is where you currently are right now. So um, last month in our members club, I posted about four lessons. I want to say it was four, three or four lessons. But, you know, several hours worth of lessons that um, about self-belief. When I when I put an umbrella theme to it, it was all about self-belief and um, believing more in yourself. And for those of you who don't know what the Members Club is, it is um, a, a smaller membership option outside of my recovery school program um, for for everyone who wants to be working on these concepts, but either doesn't have the time or the, the resources or, um, the energy (laughs) to, to do the bigger program, but really wants to be working on all the things we talk about here every month. Um, so, and, you know, I'm constantly thinking of things that I want to talk with y'all about. So this gives me access to support y'all outside of the podcast. Anyways, that was last month. But like I said, as I've been watching all this and even getting some feedback from some of the students within and doing some of the work myself, working on self-belief and the self-thoughts is not enough. Um, and so I really feel like we need to work on our emotional, um, how we take care of ourselves emotionally and also how we talk to ourselves in the meantime and in between time as we are rewiring these thoughts. So 
in the members club, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing some more inner work stuff. All of the things that I was just sharing as far as self-compassion and learning how to soothe yourself and comfort yourself. Um, we're going to be looking at that and how to get grounded um, and build some of that safety within. So um, if you're not already a part of the members club, you can join at the time that I'm recording this. There are multiple different ways that you can join the members club. And I've tried to put it on all the places that I know people all already follow. So if you follow on, on this podcast on Apple, there is a subscribers button. So you get all the lessons there. If you follow on YouTube, you can join me there. If you follow on Spotify, we'll be able, we'll be making a BJH members club there. And then also on Instagram, but for everybody else who either doesn't have those options or, or doesn't want to (laughs) learn over there, we're going to have a separate learning space. Uh, we're going to have another additional learning space for you there. So if you go to Black Girls Heal slash Members Club, you will be able to find information on how to join. And you can pick your location um, and join from there and start to, you can hear all the lessons and everything from last month. And you also get access to our book club. So we're related to that, um, the book club pick of the month which I need to post this. I'm going to post this as soon as I finish recording this podcast episode. But there is a book that is called The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem, which I think would be a really appropriate read for us to come together to talk about building how we think about ourselves and how we feel about ourselves. And so we're going to go over the first half of the book for September, um, especially since this will be going out maybe a few days into September. So, um, and then we'll chat from there and we'll, we'll start putting in these, these pillars into our everyday life and hopefully healing, hopefully healing from there. And so you can join the book clubs, book clubs separately. If you're only interested in a book club and you can go to blackgirlsheal.org slash book club, and you will be able to join us at our live zoom, um, when we get together at the end of this month. So, um, those are the two options and I look forward to connecting to everyone um, and going deeper in this process but thank you Ari for sharing where you are you are so loved you are so celebrated and I really pray that you get to tangibly feel that and believe that sooner sooner than you can even expect to to do that um, because it's true So with that, I'm sending you all love this week and I will see you in the next one. Take care of yourselves.